The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to a playoff edition of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. My name is John Boccasino. Being joined, of course, as we always are by Jamie D'Amico here on Believe. We apologize to those believers who were looking for a preview slash recap podcast from the wild card win over the Indianapolis Colts. Our intention was to do a recap podcast that was going to air on Sunday. And then yours truly lost his voice at the wild card game. I was one of the 6,700 fortunate fans who had a front row seat on a sunny day at a Bill Stadium to cheer on the Bills. And, and Jamie can bear witness. By Tuesday, my voice was still in shambles. And there was no way in hell we were going to get a podcast out there. So hopefully y'all survived during the absence. But we're glad to have you back. And Jamie, always good to have you here, buddy. Man, I felt like a proud mama when you told me that you couldn't podcast because you lost your voice by screaming so loud at the game. I just, I I was so happy. It was like, that's my Johnny boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, man, I, we, we, we left it all out there just like the, the bills did. We, you know, people were banging on the seats in front of us. We were hooting and hollering and i mean 6700 people had to make it feel like there were 73,000 in that facility and you know I, look to our credit i mean there were moments when it was kind of quiet there were moments of oh crap when the colts went down and scored you know two different drives two and a half minutes apart to make it a three point game but you know the crowd brought it and you could just selfishly i i had a really good time writing an article for buffalo rumblings describing the first person experience from buying tickets the covid testing process and then the tailgate uh which was in our car of course because we couldn't leave the vehicle uh, until we went into the stadium for the game but um there was such a palpable sense of relief and a little bit of normalcy that for four to five hours on a saturday afternoon yes there was a pandemic and we, I can't think of a safer place uh, to have been, quite frankly, than Bill Stadium because all the people that were there had tested negative for COVID. There was very little fan interaction, at least in our area. I mean, I you know I high fived my buddy with my gloves on, who I was seated next seated next to, 
every time the Bills made a big play, but it felt so damn good to get a brief respite of normalcy during this most unusual of years. I was really happy that things worked out as well as they did for getting people into the stands there. I mean, like you said, it was probably the safest place around because everybody had been tested. And uh, I think, what was it, only like 1% of the people that were tested uh, tested positive. So that's, that's good. That's looking up. Um, interestingly, I was exposed to somebody who contracted COVID watching the game at uh, the outdoor venue here in Washington, D.C., where the Bills backers congregate. I was tested. I don't have it, but she does. And, you know, Stacy, we hope you uh, hope you get better soon. Uh, but I it's now making me think twice about going back to to that place. And, you know, that's, that's where all my Bills buddies are. And that's where my uh, my dog, Big Newt, threw me up in the air after a touchdown because he's large and I'm not. <laughs> if you haven't seen the uh, the Twitter video that was posted at the Jamie D'Amico, it's must watch on Twitter. Got to go check it out there. It was great to see. And Jamie, I hear you, though. I hear you about the reservations um, regarding crowds. And, you know, after the game, I mean, I got I got tested again on uh, Tuesday um, at our local CVS here just to make sure. Um, that we were safe. And and again, I, I knew I'd lost my voice, but I didn't feel sick. But just to make everyone, you know, feel better and to make myself feel better, I wanted to make sure that I was negative. And it was, again, the bill should be lauded for how they handled every aspect, um, in my opinion, of letting fans back. And the good news is um, nobody mucked it up for everybody else, meaning there weren't private lots that were doing tailgates. There weren't large outdoor gatherings because fans are once again going to be allowed in uh, Saturday night. Ugh, what an atmosphere it's going to be at the stadium. I wish I was able to go. I'm fortunate though, that I got to get the wild card game in there and we'll pass the baton to 6,700 new fans who will get to be there for the divisional round game on Saturday night. The Baltimore Ravens are coming to town. There's snow in the forecast, possibly some lake effect snow. It's going to be a prime time night game at the stadium. NBC coming in to broadcast it. Jamie, that place, listen, it was raucous when we were there uh, for the wild card round. And it's only going to keep intensifying the further down the road. This Buffalo Bills team goes. I'm just glad that we could serve as a guinea pig uh, for how to get activities and events back up and running, because I think this is kind of the future of what you're going to see when it comes to large events like this. Well, I'm glad they've got it uh, under their belt for at least one week, because we know that with the Baltimore Ravens, as tough as they are, I mean, this is the team that none of us wanted to face in the playoffs. We were hoping that maybe by some miracle they wouldn't make it. Maybe they would uh, stumble over themselves and and lose. But this is the team that everybody was afraid of going into the playoffs. And the Bills are going to need those fans and need those fans to yell louder than they've ever yelled in their lives because this is a formidable team, and if you're not worried by the Ravens, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Absolutely. I mean, this is this matchup is terrifying for for Buffalo, and and, and one of the things that was both alarming and concerning moving forward was how the Bills seemed to revert back to the first half of the year on defense against the Colts, and Jonathan Taylor has been a beast the second half of the season, but. 
he shredded the Bills on the ground, and Phillip Rivers had all day to throw the ball. I don't think he was sacked once. He might have been hit once. Um, the the DEs and the D tackles did not do a great job, you know, in getting after the ageless future Hall of Famer. And and by the way, to a man, I I had nightmare visions when Rivers, even though his arm is nothing, I still was thinking. First of all, I thought there was going to be a riot on our hands when the referee crew decided that it was not a fumble on Zach Pascal's fumble, which clearly was a fumble. And the referees imagine how bad it would have been if that had actually cost, you know, Buffalo a playoff game. And we were still talking about a 25 now going on 26 year playoff win drought. But that, that, that last ditch effort by rivers, the whole stadium, all 6,700 of us took our collective breaths of, Oh, until Micah Hyde's yeah. volleyball spiked that ball to the ground. It was just like you're watching a moment un, unveil, unveil itself and you're thinking, there's no way. There, there, there's no way. But they're the Bills. They're going to find a way. That's how it's been for the last quarter right. of century. And this has been one of the only seasons I have sort of felt like the Bills aren't going to do Billsy things. There's a, a strange team of destiny feel to this to this group. And I'm not saying that it's a necessarily a Super Bowl team, but they are where I believe they deserve to be, which is in the second round of the playoffs. It just felt all along like this is where they were going to end up. And now it's time to put on their big boy pants and play a hell of a game because, well, like I said, I'm scared to death of these Ravens. They run the ball so well. I mean, when when you look at When you look at J.K. Dobbins and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, both of them average six yards per carry. Oh, geez. With the bad weather that's coming in, it's going to be be prime for the run game to take off. And boy, we know they're going to pound the ball. In fact, let me take it a a step further. Um, Their rushing offense wasn't just the most efficient in the NFL this season. They had the most efficient rushing offense of the last five years, according to Football Outsiders. Oh, God. Indeed. It's a dangerous, dangerous squad that John Harbaugh has assembled on offense. A familiar face, of course, calling the plays for the Ravens is offensive coordinator Greg Roman. Uh, I doubt he's going to pull a Frank Reich and leave some points on the field uh, like the former Bills quarterback did last week in some pretty questionable play calling uh, in the wild card game. Yeah, so I have uh, to interrupt you and ask, uh, while the game was going on, were you asking yourself, what are they doing out there? Colts, why, are you, why aren't you taking the points? It was, it was surreal because it's one of those things where even disregarding the decisions that Frank Reich made, uh, it still felt like the bill should have been down 17 to seven or 24 to seven at halftime. Um, when Pittman dropped the fourth or when, when Philip rivers overthrew Michael Pittman on fourth down in the end zone, when they, for some reason ran a horrible outside tackle run on third and goal from the one and, and Taylor got blown up by Taron Johnson, which was one of the underrated plays of the game uh, in the wild card round. I mean, that was a ginormous stop. And then for some reason, they decide to eschew the field goal and go for the fourth down conversion attempt, which was right in front of our seats. And we're watching it being like, oh, God, they're going to go down 17 to seven. It's this is rough. The offense is struggling. And then Rivers made a horrible throw and and the, the Bills marched 96 yards before halftime. Gabe 
Toad Dragon Davis had two of the most ridiculous catches I've seen yeah. in person. It, it was it was such a surreal turn of events that yeah, it was kind of like Phil, uh, Frank Reich. What are you doing? You know, what are you doing with your play calling? And and the Bills benefited from. Rodrigo Blankenship's double doink on the 33-yard field goal attempt uh, that happened uh, later in the third quarter. Okay, so here's something funny from my experience watching the game. There were two guys sitting near me that when Blankenship, who wears glasses on the field, missed the field goal, they jump up out of their seat and they started yelling, nerd, nerd. <laughs> it was nerd so alert. <laughs> yeah, He's got I, those, like, uh, those James Worthy like sports goggles that he wears yeah. on the field. <laughs> like the modern version of them. The, the, yeah, they're, they're kind of hilarious looking because you just don't see many football players in them. No, you do not. No, you do not. But no, that so to go back to uh, your your running game point, it's 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 terrifying. I mean, the Ravens have a really good offensive line. They have great running backs in rookie J.K. Dobbins, who is basically averaging almost six yards a carry. Uh, he has eight hundred yards on one hundred and thirty four total attempts. He was sort of held in check last week against the Titans, but that's because Lamar Jackson went ballistic and has a chance to now go for a hundred yards on the ground in back-to-back playoff games. And you know, the Ravens are dangerous because they do everything well. You know, they're 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 arguably the second hottest team in the NFL, right behind the Buffalo Bills as far as win streaks are going. Ah, to me, Jamie, this all starts and stops with a theme that we talked about quite frequently on this podcast with regards to stopping, say, Kyler Murray and its gap integrity for the defensive line. Uh, the guys have to maintain their gap integrity. They have to go about this in the sense of they're containing Lamar Jackson and not letting him you know, first of all, I mean, I, I want Lamar Jackson to throw the ball 35 times on Saturday night. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be a, a surefire formula for the Bills to advance to their first AFC championship game since 1993. It's going to be daunting, but I think what serves Buffalo well, even though these teams are vastly, um, there's some there's some similarities and the personnel are the same, but it's interesting that the only one of the key run stuffers outside of Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, who is back uh, from the matchup last year against the Baltimore Ravens, is Trent Murphy, who has been a healthy scratch the last couple of weeks. I'm wondering if Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott make Murphy active for this game, like I believe they did for the Arizona Cardinals matchup when they did a pretty decent job of containing Kyler Murray uh, on the design runs. What do you think? What are your thoughts on what Buffalo can do along that regard? I think it would make sense because number one, Daryl Johnson, their number five defensive end and really a special team standout is listed as questionable. The other thing is we have seen the defensive ends of Buffalo and I'm looking at you, Mario Addison, of not playing very, uh, let's call it disciplined control on the edge. Uh, the, the bills ends have had a, a tendency to crash inside on the run pass options and run, run options. And we're going to see a lot of that from the Ravens. That's basically the bulk of their offense. So what I mean by that is on those plays where you have the, where the quarterback has the option of handing it off or keeping it himself, what they do is they pay attention to the defensive end. If the defensive end goes inside, they run the play outside. 
If the defensive end stays outside, they run the play inside. But that's what you want. You want to funnel the ball carrier back to the middle of the defense. So what should the defensive end do in that situation? Go straight up the field and stop and wait for a decision to be made on where the ball is going to go. Specifically, Mario Addison has not been disciplined in that regard. He crashes hard inside at the mesh point, which is when both the quarterback and the running back have the ball and hasn't been decided yet uh, who's going to end up with it. With that in mind, Trent Murphy plays extremely well on the edge in those situations. He's not the biggest guy, but I think his skill at funneling the run back inside and staying with the play properly is going to give Sean McDermott probably a good tool in his toolbox to work with. I think he's active. I agree. I think it makes sense to have him out there. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, the mesh point. And that is such a critical fact for our fans to understand because what Baltimore does that's so devastating is not only can Lamar Jackson gas you on those, I want to call them run pass options, but more often than not, it's a run run option. It seems right. like that uh, he is, he's setting up for where, you know, I mean, okay, Marquise Brown is a dangerous, dangerous threat for the Ravens, but more often than not, Jackson wants to get out of the pocket. And even though he might be examining who's open downfield, he is just such a dangerous guy in terms of his ability to scramble, to break away and to get those long runs out there that the defensive ends, including Jerry Hughes have to read that mesh point so well and stay so disciplined in their lanes so that the rest of their backers, because they've got speed at the second and third tier, the second and third level, third, second and third levels of the defense where they can react to what's happening in front of them. But they don't get the freedom of making that decision of waiting where they're going to go in the pursuit if the front four is getting pushed around or not staying true to their gap integrity plays. And that's why I think it's so key that Trent Murphy is active and Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips did such a great job last year, along with Starla Tulele in containing Lamar Jackson in that game in Buffalo, their absence. I, gosh, I wish the bills had star for this playoff game. If there were one game that he could be out there for, this is the defining one where if he's out there, it's a whole different ball game when it comes to, the running, but you know, Buffalo did enough down the stretch. And even though the stats don't look great uh, for the run defense, what they allowed against the Colts in the wild card round for three quarters of the game, the bills didn't give up big plays. It was more like a sieve like defense where there'd be a six yard gain, an eight yard gain, a four yard gain. And then what happens when you're facing a team that runs the ball so well, you wear down, you get tired. And that's what happened in the fourth quarter. There were three runs of 20 plus yards for Jonathan Taylor. And I forget that Naheem Hines might've had a, a long run for the Colts as well. Yes, he did. He them- had like three or four carries for 75 yards. I mean, that's a ridiculous average for, for a back out there to have. And that goes to show that, you know, Buffalo was fatigued. So I think Daryl Johnson, if he misses the game, which is looking like he is, I think he's the only player listed technically as questionable on the injury report for the Bills, which is good news for Buffalo heading into the divisional round. If Trent Murphy is active, Jerry Hughes has talked about how he he's made this comparison 
to his days at TCU when they would face those scrambling quarterbacks in the Big 12 and they needed to learn to react quickly, but to, again, stay honest in their pursuit and not get greedy. This whole thing with the Ravens comes down to the DEs and the DTs have to avoid that tendency of wanting to be the hero. And we saw that with Mario Addison against Kyler Murray, where if he had just stayed in pursuit, that play to DeAndre Hopkins does not happen nearly as easily. Instead, Addison wanted the sack. Let's be real. He dove at Murray, came up feebly short, and Murray had all the time in the world to heave that ball for a game-winning touchdown. That's the type of play that we cannot see Saturday night. You're 100% correct. And, you know, the Ravens offense is designed to put the second level into conflict. It's designed to, well, it just has so many different options. It can go left, it can go right, it can go up the middle, and it is designed with misdirection in place. And the Buffalo linebackers, specifically Tremaine Edmonds, has a tendency to bite on fakes. Also, he has a hard time getting off of blocks by offensive linemen. So they need to be very sure of where the ball is going before they begin reacting. But that is exactly falling into what you said, which is the defensive linemen have to do their job to make sure that the offensive linemen don't climb to the second level before that decision is made so that they can, Milano and Edmonds can flow to the ball. And you're 100% right when you talk about the gap integrity. Well, that applies to the passing game too. Don't snooze on Lamar Jackson as a passer. The guy can throw the ball. He's good. I mean, he has a well-rounded game. It's just that he's so dangerous on the ground, you have to really take that into account. But when it comes to the pass rush, they have to do the exact same thing. They have to stay in their lanes and don't, under any circumstance, overrun the pocket. As soon as they get behind Jackson, they've run themselves out of the play and they have opened up the field for him to take off running. And he's so fast, people aren't even going to react until he's got five yards. That's He's just that quick. That's also why in their run-run options, they're actually having him run uh, between the tackles at times. Unusual for a quarterback to do that, but they block so well up front that they're not that worried about him getting hit. And you take that speed, send it forward, man, you've you've got a quick gain on your hands there. But yes, to echo what you have said, and I, I can't scream it loud enough, damn it, Bill's defenders, stay in your lanes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, it again that's the number one motto that we want to be letting and and look the bills I, I mean i give them a lot of credit uh for for you know knowing that as much as they had success last year against lamar jackson uh when he basically was held to his lowest rushing total i believe he had 40 some odd yards on the ground um he the ravens only had 257 total yards of offense Lamar Jackson ran for only 3.63 yards per rush, which is half of his carries. Uh, and he only had one big play. Unfortunately, it was the backbreaker to Hayden Hurst that put Buffalo in a hole where they could never climb out of. And the Bills offense is worlds better than it was last year. It's not just Lamar Jackson on the ground. It's J.K. Dobbins, a phenomenal rookie, and Gus Edwards, too. You know, Baltimore really, they remind me a lot of 
the the service academies with the triple options that they can run. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised with the inclement weather they're calling for Saturday night that this game is a crisp three hour affair because even though you know Buffalo is going to going to going to slow the pace down because they're they're throwing more than running, although I don't know, maybe this is the week Devin Singletary with Zach Moss sideline for the rest of the year. I uh, can finally show more of those motor tendencies. We'll get to that with the offensive side of things, but it's just a dangerous offense to try to slow down Jamie. And like another element that, you know, we've talked, we'll talk about Marquise Brown, how great Hollywood is on the outside. Mark Andrews is devastating as a tight end. Somebody yes. who, you know, is, is Lamar Jackson's safety valve out there. Now the bills to their credit have done pretty well this year in limiting the tight ends. You know, we thought Darren Waller was going to go ballistic. We thought um, that, oh my gosh, Travis Kelsey was going to have a massive game and Mike Jacecki and some of the better tight ends around the league. And for the most part, the Bills have done a pretty good job of containing the tight end position. Now is not the time for them to be focused solely on the run attack where they forget about where Andrews is because he can hurt you. Well, they had a hard time with Mark Andrews, the tight end of the Colts last week. And the Colts did a great job of scheming up plays where he was going to end up on the outside with uh, with the Bills' smaller cornerbacks, specifically Levi Wallace, who we know has a hard time with larger bodies. I think that that opened up quite a can of worms, and we're probably going to see more of it. But you know, over the past few weeks, the Bills have been a better defense up until this past week. You know, remember earlier in the season when it looked like the Bills were playing defense with only nine guys on the field? They kind of looked like that a little bit last week against the Colts. And part of the reason was that they were scheming the receivers open very, very well, specifically Doyle. So is Edwards going to be getting his uh, fair share of targets? Yeah, he absolutely is. The guy's good, and he was also the Ravens' leading receiver this year. So that puts more strain on the linebackers, which we talked about before. But also, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, they're going to have to be on their game and ready to pursue. But what you're going to have to do is keep the Ravens in front of you by playing a zone defense. Or if you play man, play way off of the receiver's because you can't allow anything to happen behind your back when you're running downfield. And next thing you know, you've got to dump off to the tight end and he's you know chugging behind you. And you definitely don't want Lamar Jackson taking off running. And, you know, I mean, he'll be 20 yards downfield before you can react to it um, because he's just that fast. I, I know I, it sounds like hyperbole. I'm talking about how fast he is, but he really does make other guys look like they're like they're moving in slow motion out there. And the Bills' defense, they can move their feet. They're fast. But this is an unusual athlete that the Bills are facing. I think one of the key things you mentioned, and you hit on a lot of good points there, Jamie, but when it comes to this Ravens offense and how multidimensional they are, and with Andrews, his ability to be that special threat over the middle uh, and downfield and what Buffalo needs to do. Really, it's something where they need to make sure that the middle of the field is closed off, is covered, it's contained 
and through that zone defense, whether the safety, whether it's Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, whomever it is uh, that's taking responsibility for the in the Bills defense that they're going to put drop drop back out there. Lamar Jackson is somebody who really tries to take advantage of what's available on the middle of the field and his drops. He's significantly worse when it comes to passing uh, on the outside as compared to when he's passing over the middle of the field. So you want to force Lamar to throw it outside and not give him the weapons and the options in the middle of the field that he would have on the outside of the field, where again, he's prone to making worse decisions. And also with the wind possibly gusting at 20 to 30 miles an hour on Saturday night, it's going to be a big difference if you can force Lamar to go outside versus the middle of the field. And that also takes away from Andrews' ability to really hurt the Bills because he is more of a downfield seam route runner who likes to get open and go across the middle versus the outside. I tell you this, Jamie, and this is just me purely speculating. One of the best moves that Buffalo has made so far this whole week, the Bills promoted Dane Jackson from the practice squad. And I think you're going to see a lot of Dane Jackson on the field on Saturday night mostly because I don't trust Josh Norman. Uh, Levi Wallace, I trust more than Josh Norman, and I'd much rather see Dane Jackson out there than Josh Norman. So I'm expecting the Bills to give the rookie a chance in bracket coverage to get out there and either assist uh, with Hollywood Brown. Uh, I don't know if I want him one-on-one with Hollywood Brown. I'd rather have, I think, Levi because of the speed advantage against Marquise Brown. But you could see Dane Jackson helping uh, with bracket coverage against Mark Andrews. In whatever role it is, I think Dane Jackson is going to be an unsung hero on this defense on Saturday night. Dane Jackson is he's not that fast. But I think this is a signal that the Bills are going to play more man-to-man coverage than they have previously. Um, while... Josh Norman has really good hands, and you saw that against the Dolphins when he had that interception, the pick six. He's just lost when he's going up against somebody one-on-one, and I think that they believe Dane Jackson can probably split some reps with Levi Wallace and um, maybe even covering outside receivers here and there. We've seen some good things from Dane Jackson this year. And personally, uh, I like his upside, and I think he brings more versatility to the team than does Norman. I would agree. I think Dane Jackson's definitely, again, one of the, you know, I hope, I hope I'm a prophet when Saturday night comes around and uh, Josh Norman's not seeing the field much and Dane is excelling. But it goes back to the Bills have so much more depth on their defense now that they're fully healthy, that they can roll out there. And I'm going to go back to a point we talked about earlier when it came to containing Lamar Jackson. Damn it, this has to be the week that the Bills' pass rush gets going. You looked at what, even though Tennessee lost the game, they were able to do stunted coverages and blitzes and bring pressure with their front four, and they brought down Lamar Jackson five times and also had an interception because of their pass rushing presence against a dynamic quarterback. If Buffalo lets Lamar Jackson sit back and have all the time in the world, even though he Look, he can pass the ball. I'm not taking that away from him, but he is nowhere near the caliber of passer and intelligent quarterback with the downfield throws that a Phillip Rivers was. And Phillip has a shoddier arm than Lamar. And he had a field day when he was given all time to throw last week. 
This has to be the week that the pass rush gets going. And I'm looking at you, Jerry Hughes. I'm looking at you at Oliver and I'm looking at you, Mario Addison. This has to be again, a week where the front four earns all of that money that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are paying them. It's time to put up or shut up. Yeah. And while we're talking about pass rushes, I think we also have to talk about the Ravens pass rush and the fact that they blitz more than any team in the NFL. They blitz 45.5% of the time. Last year, they made Josh Allen's life miserable with their cover zero. And the cover zero means basically you have your outside receivers uh, covered man to man and they blitz everybody else. Well, Josh Allen has gotten a lot better against both man-to-man coverage and against the blitz. And in fact, Josh Allen has shredded blitzes a lot of times. So we're going to see a very interesting matchup there because, I mean, I think the Bills are going to not do a lot of blitzing. They they do a decent amount of time, but I think that they need people to stay in their zones and keep the game in front of them. I think that you're definitely going to see that type of defense played by Buffalo. The Ravens, on the other hand, they are going to try to make Josh Allen uncomfortable if if they're even able to throw the ball with the inclement weather that's coming in. Buffalo needs to be able to throw the ball in order to win this game. If if the weather holds and it's it, you know the precipitation isn't bad and the wind isn't bad, I like the Bills in this game. However, if you've got 30 mile per hour wind gusts, that means that your throws are going to be going all over the place. As big of an arm as Josh Allen has, the wind does affect throws. So when he drops back to pass, expect to see the blitzing coming in and expect to see it come from very strange angles, much like what the Colts were doing last weekend when they, like the Dolphins, had a bunch of guys at the line of scrimmage standing around and you didn't necessarily know who was coming. Well, that has a tendency to uh, mess with Josh Allen a little bit prior seasons more so than this year, but that's what you're going to see. Is Brian Dable scheming for that? I'm sure he is. What are your thoughts? I'm glad you bring up the blitzing from the Ravens. And we do know, like you said, that 45.5% of the time, uh, Wink Martindale, the uh, coordinator for Baltimore brings a blitz pressure against the quarterback's Uh, And I believe it was 22 or 23 times last year, Josh Allen was hit on one of the blitzes that the Ravens brought in putting out his worst uh, passing performance and worst QBR of the 2019 season in that 24 to 17 loss at uh, the stadium. Last year, the Ravens blitzed on 11 of his first 12 pass attempts and 63% of those pass attempts overall. And Josh just never got into a rhythm. He was nine of 26 including just two of 17 when facing the blitz that was 2019. And I really have to say that I feel like Josh has come a long way against the blitz. And here's a stat to back it up for you, Jamie. I like it this year against the cover zero schemes, according to a website called sports info solutions, Allen faced 23 snaps facing a cover zero this year. He went 15 of 21 for 101 yards eight touchdowns and no interceptions. Talk about a night and day difference from 19 to 2020. It's over 70% completion rate, man. That's good. You did math on the fly, buddy. I'm proud of you now. Talk about a proud papa moment. Well, I didn't come up with an exact number. 
<laughs> but it goes to show that you know i i don't want to say it's overplayed because you know josh still has to prove that his evolution continues but he is just making such great strides when it comes to all the areas that he was criticized for coming into 2020 and that of course being the blitz pressure and how well he held up under duress that stat there is staggering against the cover zeros the ravens too they don't play as much man coverage as they did last year. They're still, I think, in the top 10 in terms of how often they roll out a man coverage defense. But one of their key cogs, Marcus Peters, is questionable for the game on Saturday night. And that would be huge if he were to be missing this game, meaning Marlon Humphrey would have to bear the main responsibility for covering Stefan Diggs out there. And the Ravens do like to play a single high safety setup. I believe they were in the top 10 for numbers of snaps with a single high safety in their defense, which means that there's going to be opportunities for Josh Allen and this offense to attack. And whether it's uh, Stefan Diggs, whether it's Gabe Davis, whether it's Cole Beasley in the slot, whether it's paging John Brown, who had absolutely a zero of a game last weekend in the wild card, that's fine because the Bills still found a way to win without John Brown doing anything. And the Bills are going to have an opportunity to strike and strike often. And okay, if it's a 30 mile an hour wind gusts, it's going to be hard passing day. But this is why the Bills drafted, drafted Josh Allen for that prototypical big arm. And his wisdom has come a long ways too. I don't know. I'm not nearly as afraid of the Bills winning a vertical passing game, although I would expect a lot of quick slants to Cole Beasley. And I expect a lot of quick outs to Stefan Diggs, especially if Peters is not out there. This is a matchup where I think the Bills match up pretty well against the Ravens secondary. I think so too, only because Stefan Diggs is outstanding. But, you know, Marlon Humphrey is excellent. I think he's better than Peters, to be honest with you. Oh, no. And- There's no doubt about it that he, that he is definitely a better cover corner. I'm just saying that it's not like... You know, the Ravens are if if, and again, it's the playoffs. If he's at all possible to play, I'm sure Peters will be out there. But the fact that he's not 100 percent, it's an opening for the Bills to take advantage of. And their number three guy, Jimmy Smith, is no slouch. But here's how I think you're going to see the Bills, uh, the Bills go after the Ravens defense. The Ravens ranked 22nd in coverage against tight ends and 21st against running backs during the regular season. I am so glad you brought that stat up, Jamie. Tell me more. It's music to my ears. Well, if there is a weakness on the Ravens, and mind you, I read this in The Athletic. I'm not finding this on my own. I'm not that smart. Uh, But you are probably going to have an active TJ Yeldon this week. TJ Yeldon is an excellent receiver out of the running back position. And Dawson Knox is showing that he's getting back on track this season. He's been a bit of a disappointment, but the athleticism and the talent is there. You are probably going to see a field day from Beasley, the running backs out of the backfield. And I'm predicting five receptions for Dawson Knox, at least five. Well, I will say a minimum of five targets, probably more like seven or eight targets in this game probably five receptions. I love what you're laying down because Dawson Knox has really been coming along quite nicely the last two months of the season, especially with Zach Moss sidelined. I expect the Bills to push the tempo to be an up-tempo offense. I expect them, who knows, you could even see Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon on the field at the same time because Yeldon Mm -hmm. is good enough in the past blocking as is Devin Singletary where they can handle 
the blitzes coming their way. Why not spread out this Ravens defense? Why not really? Because especially if they run a lot of the man schemes that they're used to, I think Josh Allen is smart enough where he will open up the offense and find the open receiver wherever they happen to be uh, on the field. And whether it's Yeldon or Singletary doing a little a halfback angle route out of the backfield, you know, this is going to be a really good situation for the Bills offense. That is not the part that scares me. We've talked about the Ravens offense and the running game, and that concerns me a lot. But I think the Bills have the horses, and this is why you bring in Stefan Diggs. And honestly, this is going to be such a fun matchup to watch on Saturday night that I think the Bills are are well equipped to handle a shootout uh, if it comes to that. Again, Mother Nature will see what that leads to with the weather forecast. But the one thing is for sure, Jamie, we cannot <clears throat> we cannot see Josh Allen revert back in any. Josh Allen needs to have a perfect game on Saturday night, and that's maybe it's too harsh of a statement. But if the Bills are going to win this game, they need to limit their turnovers. They need to make sure the Ravens don't have a short field to go down and score. I know these are all duh points, but you cannot give Lamar Jackson a short field when it comes to putting points on the board. So the Bills need to be smart and and they can almost use those quick like West Coast offense style passes to replicate the running game, knowing that it's going to be really hard for Singletary and Yeldon to do much damage, given the fact that the Bills have just not run the ball that well this year. And they're going up against a very talented front with Calais Campbell, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and others. It's going to be tough sledding for the running game. So why not use the passing game to your advantage? You know, last week, they seemed to come out wanting to run the ball against the Colts, and it never really got off the ground. So I'm kind of thinking... Why bother with it this week? You know it's not what you do well. What you do well is you throw the ball. And you're 100% right. We're at a point in the season where there are there are no patsies. There are no more gimmies along the way. If Maybe if Pittsburgh had somehow found their way to a victory last week, I would say, okay, not worried about that one at all. But the Ravens... Uh, you'll probably end up with the Chiefs next week, and then in the Super Bowl, they got to they got to bring their best. They've got to bring their best. If we see Josh Allen turning the ball over, making bad decisions, you know it's it's not going to go well for the Bills. However, he's showing me a maturity at this point in the season. Last week, he had no problem throwing the ball away and punting. Live to fight another day. I absolutely loved seeing that. And this is the kind of game where you're going to need to play for field position. That's what you have to do against really good teams. I like it when they're aggressive, but at the same time, if it's not there, don't force it. Punt the ball away. You've got a great punter. Don't know how that happened, that Bajorquez became a great punter, but he did this year. And <laughs> and let's let's see what the defense can do. The defense has to bring it. They absolutely have to stop the run. They have to stop Andrews. I'm not worried about Hollywood. I I think we've got the guns to cover him, but everybody else has to be just, they got to be dedicated to stopping the run. And I think the Bills, if they do that, they can pull this out. Now, one area, Jamie, I want to throw caution into the proverbial win for Saturday night is... I am a little worried that what the now I'm not saying Dable's going to call the same type of game plan that he did against the Colts, but one of my complaints with the wild card play calling was just how often Josh Allen was running and whether it was a designed run or he chose to take off 
these Ravens will punish him if he doesn't get down and surrender himself instead of fighting for the extra yards. And we all love Josh because he plays the game with a linebacker's mentality. But, oh, my gosh, this is not the time for him to try to go out there and put his body on the line for an extra yard and risk Matt Barkley coming into the game in a divisional round setup here at Bill Stadium. I'm all for Josh taking off and running several times, and I'm all cool with those design runs, but I felt like Brian Dable tried to force the design Allen scramble a little bit too much for my comfort last week. It's always uncomfortable, but if it's working for you and you can't get any other type of running game going... I, I feel like you're at the play at the point in the season where you just have to roll with it. And yeah, last week you saw him try to take a linebacker on head to head. Slide, Josh. <laughs> just <laughs> go down. You know, please, man, for the love of Bill's mafia, go down. Don't fight. But and again, I love him. That's why he's our quarterback. He's such and it's been so much fun watching him prove the doubters and the haters wrong. But there's still three more wins they need to get to get that ultimate crown that they're chasing here. And I, I think you bring up a, va- a really understated point with Corey Bajorquez and, you know, the wind can always be a variable when it comes to special teams and the Ravens have a really good special teams unit and the bills have a really good special teams unit. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the kickers duel between Justin Tucker and Tyler Bass, who have become two of the more reliable kickers in the league and the wind's going to be interesting on Saturday night to see how that's howling at the stadium. But Corey Bajorquez could really be the wild card factor in this game where I think the first team that gets to 24 points is going to win. I, I I think for some reason the over under is probably set around 50 or so I would go on the underside of that because I think that the, the points are going to be at a premium. And I think Corey Bajorquez could be such a hidden gem weapon for the bills if he's dropping dimes and pinning the teams inside their own 10 and inside their own five with those accurate punts of his you look for any advantage you can get and in this game i i hope that you see andre roberts play well um bass has been automatic bassomatic the kicker um <laughs> hope that that continues but really it takes a full team effort to be successful in the playoffs. And this is as good as it gets. The next three weeks, these are the best teams that the Bills have played all season. And the Bills are going to have to play better than them. And there, there can't be any reverting back to what they were last week on defense or earlier in the season on defense. They got to get it done. I, I want to I address a point along those lines, Jamie. I heard a lot of Bills fans kind of lamenting Oh, it's unfortunate that Pittsburgh didn't win because now it's a harder road to play the Ravens. Well, guess what? Like you said, every game in the playoffs is going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. And to be the best, it's a cliche, but you have to beat the best. And right now the Ravens are red hot, but the Bills need to take care of their business to survive in advance, to steal your phrase from the podcast with Jamie and Big Newt from earlier on this week, but the Bills to survive in advance, they need to put their money where their mouth is and beat the best team out there. And right now the Ravens are a massive challenge, but, and this is going to be a hell of a ball game on Saturday night. I hope that all of Bills Mafia is able to sit back and enjoy this victory. Hopefully the Bills can come out on top. We're going to give our, our score predictions here, but it's just, Jamie, this is the fulfillment of everything that you want as a fan to see your team on the rise playing and hosting meaningful mid-January football games. Let me ask you a question. If the Bills don't win this game, are you disappointed with this season? Yes, I am. And I'm being selfish because 
even it, it I guess it's a, it comes with a small asterisk in that it depends on how they play. But I've said it all along from when the team got off to a hot start that my goal for the team was AFC championship or bust. Like, and now obviously you want to win the whole thing when you've made it to the final uh, four teams in your conference, but the bills have the talent to go all the way. The bills have a, have an ability in front of them to really make a statement. And I will be disappointed if they don't beat the Ravens. It's a really good Ravens team, but they're not without their flaws. And I just want to think that the Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable have learned enough from what this team has gone through in the past, that this team is going to be hungry and they're going to realize Whew, we dodged a couple of bullets against the Colts. And it's almost like it's better for a team to have that scare and still win in their first game, because now the veterans are going to be like, we cannot let this happen again. We cannot give up these big plays. We cannot have these mistakes. I think they had their close call and I'm hoping that they don't have another one. Yeah. What about you? What about you? Well, I love how you channeled your inner Ric Flair a couple minutes ago when (laughs) you got to beat the man. (laughs) One of the great, great entertainers of our lifetimes. Um, I think for me, I set the goal. The goal line was, I want to see the Bills win a playoff game and I want to see Josh Allen become a top 15 quarterback. Well, they won the first playoff game and Josh Allen's a top five quarterback. I would look at it as a success. I would be disappointed as hell, but I would say this was a successful season and sets them up for future success. So with that being said, I'm going to make you go first. What is your prediction for the game Saturday night? The key for me is, can Devin Singletary run for over 75 yards? If Devin Singletary runs for over 75 yards, the Bills win 24-23. I hate you so much right now. (laughs) Why is that? My score was 24-23, to you son of a bitch. (laughs) Swear to everything wholly on Bills Mafia and, and everything like that. But no... I like your viewpoint of, and I'll, I'll change my now. I'm not going to take the same score that you put out. That was giving you a hard time. It's, it's a great prediction, 24 to 23. I think it's going to be a nail biter of a game. It could come down to Bass kicking a game winning field goal. It could come down to Justin Tucker uh, having a last chance at a kick for the Ravens. I'm not going to be a homer when I say this. I fully believe it. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game. I will go 26 to 24. Buffalo ekes out the two point victory here. It might come down to a last second Tyler Bass kick, like I said, but I don't know. There's something about, and you might have said this earlier that whole kind of team of destiny look with Buffalo and how during a pandemic, damn it, we need this Bills team to get this win and keep this fun ride going. So why the hell not predict it here on Believe 26 24 Bills advance to their first AFC title game since 1993? Jamie, how about them, Apple? We need this. We need (laughs) nobody needs it more than we do. Are we selfish for saying so? Absolutely. 
but I'm not changing my tune. So 24-23, Jamie's got the Bills winning. I go 26-24. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 20-17, to somewhere along those lines. Uh, I think it's going to be a low-scoring clash on Saturday night. But you know what, Bills fans? We appreciate you all season long checking out Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Give us your score predictions. Get involved with our article on buffalorumblings.com and on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We thank you again for checking out our episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Enjoy the divisional round of the playoffs, and hopefully we're talking AFC title game next week. Go Bills!